I'm just going to sit back here while y'all look at the front the whole time. Just kidding. <laughs> no. Hey, guys. I love y'all. Just want to say that. I know I don't show it often, uh, but I do. Uh, I'm going to be walking around a lot because that's how I think. I uh, can't drive a bus in here, so I'm going to be <laughs> doing the walking. That's right. Uh, and I'm going to be honest. That's the only way I could do this is if I'm honest. Uh, so I hope I don't offend anybody. I'm not going to pick on anybody, uh, but I'm going to be honest with you all. Uh, I was reading 1 Samuel chapter 15. Um, for, for a while, I got stuck on it. I got uh, moved by it as I was reading it. Uh, it inspired me. It encouraged me. And uh, God had been stirring in my heart to speak. And I never spoke before. Never thought I was good at speaking. I still don't think I'm good at speaking. But uh, his word stirs me. It just stirs me, just like worship, you know, when we worship. Thank you, Kevin, uh, Jody, Gabby, Kyle. Donnie, who else was up there today? Dave. Thanks for leading worship today. Uh, we need that. We need to be led in worship. Uh, it's crucial. So, uh, yeah, I, I was getting stirred by chapter 15, and one day Wes has asked me, uh, we're talking, and I'm like, uh, he's like, Is any, has God put anything on your heart lately? And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been reading such and such. And he's like, well, do you want to speak? I'm like, slow down, Wes. Uh, no, Wes, Wes is always giving us opportunities uh, to be used by God to, to grow. And so thank you, Wes. Thank you for that. Give me this opportunity. All y'all, too, give me this opportunity. Um, so if I'm being honest... I was super excited about this, super excited about chapter 15, the whole chapter. Today we're just going to go verses 1 through 11 because uh, of time, and I think it'll be good just to focus on a few things. Um, so I'm super excited. I'm like, yes, I get to speak. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to say, but it, it, I love it. I love the message that's in here, and people need to hear it. People need to hear what's in here, uh, his word and his truth, and uh, I don't know if they have the same convictions as I have, uh, but I, but I want to share it. And so uh, I had actually been reading it long before Wes asked me to speak. And, uh, and then when he asked me, I was like, okay, now I got to get serious about this. I got to get serious. I got to start preparing, right? Because I got to know what I'm going to say. And... Uh, so the weeks are going, uh, weeks are passing by, and, and, and I like to walk. I walk to this coffee shop that's not far from my house. And uh, I get there, and I sit down, got my pencil or whatever, my tablet. I'm like, all right, now I'm going to prepare. And I swear, like, sometimes I would write stuff, and then I look at it later, and just like, it was like nonsense. It was, it was just... This has nothing to do with what was stirring me. It was just really me. 
And sometimes I'll go to ride and just nothing. I was just like, I freeze. What's going on? You know, is it because I'm new at this or a little frustrated? As time was passing, I was getting more frustrated, more anxious. It's like, I'm not, what am I going to, what am I going to do when the day comes? And uh, so, so I started asking God, I was like, what's going on? I thought you wanted me to speak. I, you know, I prayed about this. It's, it's, it's your word. I, I, thought, I thought that you were moving in me and stirring in me. And I remember one day as I was walking back home, uh, as I was walking back home, he kind of spoke to me. Uh, you know, it's never like a voice, like, raw, and you're scared or anything. It's just, he speaks to your heart. And I realized that what I was doing in my preparing, it had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with y'all. It didn't have anything to do with the message or his truth. Some, somehow, as time was passing, uh, what had initially started as uh, just the beauty of his truth and, and the convictions in my heart, it somehow I got more concerned with myself, uh, with, with earning the praise of men with being respected by y'all or being admired. And those things are bad in and of themselves, but that became my motivation. And it seemed like he was saying, when I asked him, what's going on? How come I can't get this together? It seemed like he was saying, I'm not a part of that. I'm not a part of what you're doing. And what you're doing has, is not a part of me. It's, it's ironic because the message is about dying to your flesh and living in the Spirit. I wanted to, uh, to take pride in what I knew when I was going to share with you. I wanted to take pride in that, what I, the things that I know. Look at what I know. I don't think a lot of Christians fall into that trap where we think we have to To know so much. And really God just desires that we would obey him and follow him in simple ways. God, I thank you for allowing me to speak. Often I'm just a broken Lost man, driving a bus, trying to raise a family, trying to... Sometimes I, I make it look like I'm trying to do what's right, but really inside God, it's just all about me. I'm sorry for that. I thank you that you forgive me and that your grace just covers all of that. I believe it. But I want to live differently, God. I want to... I don't want to live like the old me. I want to live like the, 
the me that you've created now, that I've been born into. And God, I pray that for these people here today who are seeking you, who are also struggling in different ways. And thank you that you've called us to yourself, to your family, just for reasons we can't even We can't even make up reasons why you've called us. Just because you love us. So I thank you for that, God. Amen. Okay. Let's see. So I shared with y'all, I was honest. Thank you for letting me share. Uh, it wasn't going to work if, if I wasn't able to do that. First uh, Samuel chapter 15. It's about this guy, Saul. Uh, he's the first king in history as far as the Jews go, the Israelites. Uh, Samuel was uh, the high priest during that time. And he went to go anoint King Saul, or he went to go anoint Saul to make him king. And Saul was really a nobody. Uh, he didn't have this, you know, great honorable background with high status or anything and uh, God makes that clear in, in Samuel he makes it clear where he came from and let's pick up let's let's open up and see what it says for Samuel chapter 15 verse 1 Samuel also said to Saul the Lord has sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. The reason it says also is because uh, you're like, well, what else did he say? Before that, he got after Saul because Saul disobeyed God. Saul wasn't supposed to do such and such. I think it was uh, make an offering. Only Samuel, only the high priest was supposed to do that. So Samuel got after Saul and I mean, that was a big thing. I don't understand it today in our context, but it was a big thing back then. So that's why it says also. Samuel also said to Saul, right? So now you understand a little bit of the background. Saul's been in a life of disobedience. It wasn't just that one thing. It was actually a couple things. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you. When I was getting excited about uh, the preaching I was like, I want to look up these words and see what they mean in Hebrew and Greek, all that, whatever. And uh, anoint means literally to smear or pour oil. Okay, I don't want you to focus on that part. I want you to focus on the implication of the anointing. The implication, what's up, Jay? Is that God calls Saul. He's calling Saul for his purpose. He's chosen Saul, right? It wasn't Saul that went and found God and asked God to anoint him. It was God that found Saul and called him. He chose him. And he set him apart for something special, for a, a job, a task. In this, in this context, it's to be king. But I want you to just... Do you know that you're called? You know you've been chosen by God? 
You've been set apart from the world. I'm sure you know, but what I mean by do you know is are, are you letting it change you? Are you letting it... Uh, uh, are you embracing it? Are you, uh, are you thankful for it? That God, creator of the universe, king of everything, that He called you. Kyle? Dave? And not right now, but maybe later. I just want you all to, to think about that. And when I was thinking about it before, before I got into this chapter, even David in the Psalms, he says, what is man that you're mindful of? When I'm, he's looking up at the stars and everything that's so beautiful and huge and glorious. And then he thinks about himself and why God called him, why, why God considers man. It's just a real humbling thing. Right? Because David feels small. He's looking at everything. He's like, why would God call me? And God has called y'all. Not to be king of America or whatever, but God has called y'all to be his children and his family. And that never fades and no one can ever take that away. I want y'all to just have that in the back of your mind. The rest of verse 1 says, now, therefore, I don't teach. Is there an English? Tristan, do you teach English? Okay. <laughs> it's a third graders. Kevin teaches. But the word, therefore, it's consequential from what was just said. Okay? And y'all know that. But he's saying, because of what I just said, now this. It says, now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Okay, so if, if, if there's a, a logical reasoning here, he's saying, because I've anointed you, heed the words of the voice of the Lord. Because I've chosen you, listen to what God is saying in your life. Do what he says. The word heed is listen, but it also has an implication of obeying, right? When your kids disobey you, you say, how come you didn't listen to me? You don't mean how come you didn't hear me. You mean how come you didn't obey me, right? And that's what this word means. It says, since I've anointed you, you need to listen to God. You need to obey him. So what does he say? Verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts. So what God said, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. What's he talking about? Who's Amalek? Amalek was a descendant of Saul. That's not important, at least not right now. When, when Moses was pulling the Israelites out of Egypt, right? They crossed the Red Sea. They're fleeing. A lot of them are scared. There's like, I don't know, how many, like a million people almost. Does anybody know? 
No one's ever seen a sea open up before. You, can you imagine just the trauma that they're going through? But they're, they're happy. They've been saved, right? God is saving them. That's his plan to save them. He has a good plan for them. And it said he, he saw their oppression before, before he grabbed Moses to use Moses as the one that saves him. It says that he heard their cries and he saw their oppression. Because they were slaves. And so Moses is, is taking them, he's leading them, and sometime along there, during that time where God's saving these people who he's called, here come these Amalekites fighting against them. It's like, what a, what a cheap move. I mean, these people are not warriors. They're, they're running, running through the wilderness. And here come these bunch of guys. I don't know what they looked like or how great of fighters they were. But they're picking on the Israelites, God's chosen people who he's saving. So God's mad. And back, back in Exodus, when uh, that was when Moses held up the rod. I don't want to get too much off track, but Moses held up the rod. You all remember that? And when he let it down, then they'd lose and he'd hold it up. And then some guys had to hold up his arms. You all remember that? That's the one. That's the Amalekites that were fighting. Anyways, they win the battle, but God promises, I'm going to, generation after generation, I'm going to be, there's going to be a problem for these Amalekites. They're in opposition of my plan of salvation for my chosen people. So that's, what's, that's what he's talking about. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy, what's it say? All that they have. And what should they spare? Nothing. It's pretty clear. Didn't say it was easy. It's pretty clear. It's not confusing. Just go destroy everything. He goes on. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And Saul's listening to this. And I don't know if that's easy for Saul to swallow. I mean, he's... He's done some unrighteous things before in the past, but I don't know what he's thinking. Uh, nursing child, really? Got to do that? Like everything, everyone? So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them and tell him 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. And then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But, I love those little conjunction words. They just give you, they're like, oh, oh, but what happened? But, 
Saul and the people, what'd they do? They spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And here's the key part right here. And they were unwilling. Unwilling. The problem wasn't that they... What'd you say, God? I got confused when you said it. Wasn't that they didn't hear God? Or Saul, really, he's more responsible. It wasn't that they weren't capable. Doesn't say that. It says they were unwilling. You remember back in verse 1? said, since you've been anointed, you've been anointed, therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. I know God's plan, I know. But they were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. So, what does Saul, some king thousand years ago, these Amalekites, I don't even, I don't even know who they are, why this is important. What does this have to do with me? Right? Is that what you're thinking, Jay? But when I look at the, the scripture and I start thinking, what does this have to do with me? I say, okay, so I'm called. Kind of like Saul. God chose me. Do y'all want to hear some verses? I didn't make that up. Let's look at a few. Just in case you don't believe me. John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right, God, God gave the right, to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It was God's will that you would be born again, that you would come into his family. It wasn't anything forced, but it was his will. Ephesians 1, 3-5 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Let's not go too fast through these scriptures. Do you ever think about that? Nehemiah, do you ever think about that? In, back in Genesis, it says that God was something like hovering over these waters, right? And everything was void. It was like darkness. There was nothing. And Ephesians says before the foundations of the world, He chose us? Nehemiah, Jason, Carla, Donnie? Man, it's just... It's hard to think about that 
not even just before I was born, but before everything was here, God was, he was thinking, he was like, you know, I'm going to call Roth. I'm going to call, I'm going to call Clint. Mm-hmm. He's just talking with himself, the, the Trinity, his son and the Holy Spirit. It's crazy. And why does he call us? If you're in Ephesians, it says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by who? Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So he called me. Why? So that I would be holy like him wants to save you he, if you've if you've trusted in his son Jesus Christ right as your savior you realize you're a sinner and there's really I have no other option he he I need him as my savior right and the bible says that you become his child and no one can take that away no one can take you from his grip that's there but what now right I've got another maybe 50, 80 years to live if technology's good by then. What am I supposed to be doing? Well, I got to go to church. Got to go to a small group. Got to read my Bible and pray. You don't, you need to do those things. But you don't need to be religious. You don't need to, you don't need to pretend with anyone once you're his child. There's this freedom, there's this grace that you've been given. And, and I, I think a lot of us, we go back to our old nature. Right? What I was describing to you, what was what was my problem in preparing the message was that I was more concerned about myself and how I'm going to you know how great my message is going to be and who's going to admire me and and look at all the things that I know I was kind of going back to my old nature that's my old nature like I need to earn something from y'all or not just y'all but the everyone at work wherever I am it's just this mindset that I go back to and if I've been freed from that, why would I go back to it? I'm going to share some verses with y'all in a second, but about that. Also in Colossians, I'm just, I'm just affirming, I'm, I'm letting y'all know your calling. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, Works, yet now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Why again? Why did he do that? Well, he loves you, man. Yes, that, and also to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. This one adds a little bit of extra. If indeed you continue in the faith. <gasps> What's that mean? What's that mean? If I don't continue in the faith, I'm not saved? 
If I, if I mess up, I'm not saved anymore. Is that what that means? I'm, I won't be holy. I won't go to heaven. No. No, you, you've been saved. The penalty for the sin has been paid for through his son. And when you believe that, that's already taken care of. You're safe, guys. You're safe. But what we're talking about is now the time you have here on earth, what his will is for you. And it's to make you holy. So he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. What's the hope of the gospel? I'm needy. I need him. And he wants to offer saving me for free. That's, that's the gospel in my, my words, okay? So how can I move away from that? If I start to worry about about what the world thinks of me and how I sound and, and I, you know. We just go back to being trapped again. Why would you want to go back to being trapped again? Just to chain to these, this mindset. I don't know. Right? And why would Saul spare the king Agag? I don't know. He's a king, a king that, that works for God. Why would he spare the enemy? Right, so now it's starting to make sense. I'm reading chap- chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And so, the opposition, if the Amalekites are in opposition to God's plan of salvation, then in a similar way, my flesh and my old nature are in opposition to God's plan of salvation for me. I say, well, yeah, what about Satan? Satan only has whatever power God gives him, right? Like with Job. God said, go ahead and do this to Job, right? So I don't think it's really Satan. What about the world? (sighs) Oh, that's not it. It's me. I'm the one that's in the way of God's plan of salvation for saving me, to continue making me holy. Is this making sense, guys, so far? And then I, when I look at he was unwilling to, to, to get rid of all the things that he found useful or that he needed, or that he liked, right? Everything else despised, got rid of. I said, man, that is a lot like my nature. The sins I'm willing to get rid of. I don't mind getting rid of those. Some DVDs. Cable. For a little while. Some of the things, they're so subtle. Let me tell you. The hardest ones to get rid of are so subtle. Bitterness with my wife. Had to repent of anger with my kids. Let me just give you an example. Uh, I was coming home from work one day, and I was hungry. So there was this Bill Miller's meal in the fridge. There's Caleb. I'm going to talk about you, Caleb. It's all right. I'm going to talk more about me. And so 
I just had, I was focused. I went to the fridge, opened up the fridge, got my food. What's up, guys? Hey, baby. Oh, how was your day? Right? Put it in the oven, heat it up. As I'm heating it up, this is the only meal that was prepared already, just real quick I can make, and I'm hungry. It's two pieces of chicken, a bunch of fries. Caleb, my son, who I love dearly, he goes, Dad, is that the Bill Millers? And just right then, just right then, I just got a little hot. I got a little hot. And I didn't like, I didn't see anything. If you saw like a transcript of the things that I said, it was nothing. You wouldn't have known how I made him feel. Because we're tricky like that. We're good. We're good at that, being tricky with our sin. But I got after him, and, and, and I made sure that he was really uncomfortable for asking me that. I said, did you, did you eat breakfast? He's like, yeah, yeah, and he's already getting, he already knows he made me upset. I said, did you eat lunch? I didn't even say it like that. And I was like, I tried to say it like where I'm looking nice. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, I said can I, right? So I'm mad. A couple other things happened. I was upset with Veronica. No reason to justify why I was upset. So I had to go on a walk. And as I'm replaying what had gotten me angry, Right as I'm talking with God, oh, it was just all about me. It was just all about me, what I deserve, Tristan. I'm hungry, so I'm going to take care of me. You're like, but don't dismiss these small little things. Because it's bitterness. It's lust. It's jealousy and envy. But they're so small like that. But don't dismiss them. And God desires that we would die to that. You don't have to be angry. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to feed you, Ross. Okay, you're not going to die. You don't have to lust. You don't have to be jealous. I've given you everything. That's what it says. I'll find it later, but that's what it says. In Corinthians Paul was getting after these people because they were saying, I'm of Apollos. I'm of this guy. I'm of... And Paul says, is Christ divided? Did I die for you? No. Later on, he tells them, you've been given everything. Can I find it real quick? Can you all just wait a second? Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness. With God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Right? Because they were all boasting about things they knew. Sound familiar? And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. And you're Christ, and Christ is God's. Why do we feel so 
like caged. I was talking with some friends of mine. They were over for dinner not long ago. And I asked them, I said, do y'all feel free? And uh, after we're talking, we kind of all admitted there's, we know that we are free, but there's, it seems like we don't live that way. Like, like we are free. Here Paul says, all things are yours, guys. You're not contained or controlled. I didn't say go drive crazy out on the highway. That's not what he's saying. In fact, in Galatians, he says, he says what to do with their freedom. Can you give me a second to find it real quick? For brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Alright, so yes, you are free. You're not contained by the world and the standards. You don't have to earn anything. They, they have to. They have to live that way. They're still chained to sin. Because when you reject God, you say, I don't need Him to save me. I save me. Then you have to earn people's, their, their opinion. It does matter. You need that then. That's how they're chained to it. And so what I'm saying is, if, if we're not chained to it anymore, why would we go back to it? We've been free from it. You know one reason why I think why? It's because we look silly. We look silly to them. It says foolishness, right? uses that word. The gospel is foolishness to those people. I think that's one reason why we're afraid to embrace our freedom. So the problem, the opposition that I see in our life today is our flesh. And I'll back it up with this. Right after he says that in Galatians, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. I was thinking about that today. The things that I wish, right, is to earn praise from men, right? In this case, what I know, my biblical wisdom and intellectualness. That's what I wanted. But the Spirit, it's contrary to that, right? That, that was my, that's what was butting heads every time I was going to prepare for the message. And praise God that the Spirit is contrary to the flesh so that we don't do what we wish. <coughs> praise God, I, I couldn't prepare anything. Otherwise, I'd come in here and make a fool of myself and be just like my old nature. I'd still be the same. Praise God, He's wanting to save me from that mindset. 
that, that mindset that I, I don't need that. I'm not captive to that anymore. So I have a question for y'all. I don't hear too many sermons about uh, dying to your flesh, to your old nature. Maybe, I, maybe they're there, I'm just not paying attention. But uh, if y'all want to turn to Romans 6, I'm kind of g- going to be closing with this question. Are you willing to die? Romans chapter 6. All right. It's pretty long. I was wondering if I should read it all or just kind of focus on a couple things. We're doing good. We're doing good on time. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? That means you can. That means there's a possibility to, right? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Do you know that? Do you skip that part in your Christian walk with God, the death part? Don't forget about it. Therefore, we who were buried with him through baptism into death, that just, did I say that right? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We should. And who wouldn't want to, right? For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. But it's only when you die to it. You want to stay trapped with it? Stay trapped with it. But you've been freed. Okay, I'm just saying, you have that option. The world doesn't have that option like you do. For he, who's, he who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, in the same way, the same way that Jesus did it, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. Don't let it. That means you can. That means you can let it reign. Reign. A lot like a king reigns. Here we are talking about kings. Guys, I want to encourage you. Sorry if uh, the order of my sermon wasn't all great. And, but uh, 
I want to encourage y'all, if you've trusted in His Son, right, for salvation, you're free. You don't have to be anxious about work. Jennifer, I, Ted, you don't have to be anxious or worried. The same way, the same way that you first believed and trusted in Him, that He would save you, says we walk the same way. Our walk of faith is the same way as when we were saved. So if I apply that, when you get angry, it's going to happen. When you get worried, when you start lusting, you're looking for something, or whatever it is, just go back and think. Okay, so he's, he saved me eternally. I'm his child forever. Do I believe he can take care of me with this? It's a much smaller thing, really. I mean, if you consider anger and, and lust, we're already his children. How much more then would he want to continue making us like him? Don't forget the grace, guys. It, it covers. Guilt is good. For a little while, but you don't have to stay there. There's a reason for guilt. There's a reason for sorrow. It's good. It leads to repentance. It's okay to be sad for what you did, but you don't have to stay there. Don't forget the grace. It, it covers it. God loves you all so much as His children. I was thinking it would be like if when my child was an infant and and they're crawling right they're just learning how to crawl right they look they look all weird and stuff it would be silly if when they try to learn how to walk and they fall i get upset at them what are you doing man come on stand up that would be silly, and no father or parent really does that who's in their right mind. Why would God get upset at you with trying to do what is right? If you're willing, why would God get upset at you for failing? That's the difference with Saul. He wasn't willing. It wasn't a matter of that he, he failed trying. He just wasn't willing. So are you going to be like Saul? Called by God. But you just can't get rid of some things. You're just not willing. Or, are you willing to die to that old nature that's selfish and proud and hateful and jealous and all these things, always worrying? Are you willing to die to that? Did, did, do you realize what we've been given, what we have, what we're capable of? I was telling, I was telling my friends who, were, who came over, I just wish that we, would, that we would live realizing, uh, live in a way 
what we've been called to, that, that we are free. We're not contained or trapped by these things that the world is trapped by. I wish we would live that way. I wish we would love one another with grace. And in doing that, guys, and dying to your old nature, and in living in the Spirit, you begin to know God. You begin to know God. Jesus said what eternal life was in, in John. Let me find it real quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When he was praying to God, he's praying to God, his dad, and he said, and this is eternal life. What is it? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And earlier he said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Guys, I want you all to be willing to, to die to your old nature, to die to your flesh, because you can, because you have that freedom. Unlike the world, I want you all to embrace that freedom. Dear God, I, just, I barely even read your word. And just the few things that you show me, I'm just overwhelmed by it. I'm shaken. I, I, I cry more than I used to. But it's good, God, because I realize I'm starting to see your plan make sense. And it only makes sense when I start to obey you. God, may we not be afraid of anything. May we not be afraid to die. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. God, it's not complicated. I think as Your Spirit convicts us of sin in our lives, as you're desiring to make us holy, more like you, so that we can know you. This, this plan that you had way before the world was created, something good for us, God. Thank you so much for it. Words can't even describe. Amen.